Can I say a Happy New Year, everybody? I said it last week, but it was still New Year's Eve, so it didn't really count. It's so good to see you all. Um, Hey, uh, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, the first book in the New Testament. We're not going to get there for a minute, but that's where we are going to end up starting today. And so um, I just want to say for the parents out there, our elementary class is launching next week. I was waiting for cheers. I got them immediately. I, I thought I was going to have to call for them. Parker's up here. Like, Parker, you're just on, it's your show today, right? You just get up here and dance. Um, we're really excited about it. And uh, one of the things I'm really excited about, not just that we're having the elementary class, but um, we've really talked about it a lot. And we're going to be tying in whatever we're, we're learning on Sunday mornings. And so what we're hoping is, if you didn't know this, the kids are going to kind of learn what they're learning in there. And then they're going to come in here and kind of hear the same thing, right, repeated. And so it's going to be locked in. And so families can talk about it together and the kids will be with it. So I'm just really, really fired up. So for you kids still in the room, listen for some things that I'm going to say today because it's going to tie into the elementary class next week, right? And so uh, I'll be talking to you a little bit and I'm going to try to... uh, to bring you guys in more and more so you can uh, worship with your parents and understand exactly what's going on in church. All right, so I'm really excited today, and I know I'm pretty excitable, right, as, as your pastor, but I'm really excited today. Does anybody know why? We're starting a new series, and the title of the series is Prayer. Does anybody know what it's about? I mean, you guys are on top of it, right? Hallowed be thy name. We'll talk about that, that in a minute. We'll talk about why it's hallowed be thy name is kind of the tagline. But there are a lot of reasons to do a series on prayer. There's tons and tons of reasons. But maybe the one and the most obvious reason is, is this. I'm going to ask you a question. If you think you have pretty much exactly the kind of prayer life that you want to have, and, man, what, you just feel like you're completely satisfied with the prayer in your, your life, the amount, the connection, all that stuff, if you're just like, I'm pretty much good to go on prayer, do me a favor, don't worry about humility, I'm asking you to do this. If that's you, raise your hand. I'm going to put mine down. Now just look around real quick. Keep it up. Right, so there, that's a really good reason why we could always do a series on prayer. It's like holiness. Do we, on this side of life, we are viewed as holy, our relationship with God, God looks at us as holy and blameless, but are we practically completely holy on this side of heaven? No, and we're never going to be, and not fully, not completely, not totally, until we're glorified with Jesus in heaven, right? So we're always straining towards holiness, to grow in that. Prayer's the same way. We're always wanting to grow, But it's also more than that. It's just an absolute staple of our faith. Am I saying anything that's shocking anyone? Prayer is a staple of our faith. We cannot, we simply cannot know God as deeply. We can't grow to be Christ-like, or at least as as Christ-like, without prayer being a meaningful part of our life. That is not a surprise to anyone. But I do want to say this. Here's the reality when it comes to prayer. Prayer can be really hard. Anybody want to disagree with that? Prayer can be really hard. And like, I, I always say, I, I even say to new people sometimes, how dumb is it that we come to church and pretend? We're here because we all know we need a Lord and Savior. We all know that we are weak and somehow Christ can be our strength. We want to grow. We need to be here because we are not enough. At least that's why we should be here. As, I, as I've said before, we are not a museum of saints, but a hospital of sinners coming to get our healing from our great physician. Right, so we shouldn't come in and, and like, we don't have to pretend like prayer is always easy and always comes easy to us. Now, sometimes prayer does come easy. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, like sometimes you feel like the need 
to breathe, so you breathe, or the need, you don't have to think about that one, but sometimes you feel like, hey man, I'm hungry, I want to eat, so what do you go do? You eat. And sometimes things happen in life where prayer comes as naturally as eating, right? Particularly when something really, really difficult happens. When you have no control, when things are falling apart, it feels like you have no hope. Sometimes prayer is just like the immediate thing you, you think to do. And even for Christians, for people who, for Christians, but even for people who are non-Christians, when something really terrible, really surprising, something that we have absolutely no control over, even people who don't believe, even atheists sometimes will say, either they will pray or they'll say, hey, I know that you believe, will you pray? That happened to me recently. I mean, I say recently, within the last week, where someone who, I don't think they're a believer. Like, I've tried to have conversations with God, with someone that, you know, have you ever had those conversations with God and sometimes when you just bring up God, they kind of they ask and kind of get in a conversation whether they're a believer or not. And then you have conversations with people who are not, I'm not talking about hostility, they're just not interested in that conversation. You know what I'm talking about? So I don't know if this person is a believer, but they know I'm a pastor and every time I bring it up, like the conversation gets changed pretty quickly. Something really awful happened this week and they said, hey, we're just, I guess all we can do is pray. And I was like, huh? Right, because no control what else do we do when we don't have any control? We look to prayer, right? So sometimes prayer does come naturally. It just seems like this is the thing that we should do. Yet other times, prayer feels like, I'm going to say it's not just hard. I'm going to say it feels like even sometimes like a chore, like a chore, like, like we're talking to a wall or that we have no idea what to say, that we're supposed to pray, but we don't know what to say. Or even at times, I want to say this because it's okay. At times, have, have there ever been a time in your life when you knew you needed to pray and there was like a dread that set over you? Like you dreaded praying? How weird is that? Considering that we know who we're praying to. I'm not even saying, sometimes it's not even when there's like sin getting in the way. A lot of times it's the sin getting in our way and we don't want to talk to God about our sin. But even when it's not like active sin, sometimes there's like this just sense of dread. Can I just say, listen, it's okay. And I wish I could put my finger on where that dread comes from. Sometimes I think it's the enemy. I think it's absolutely spiritual warfare. Sometimes it's our own sin. And sometimes we just have no idea. Why don't I want to pray? Why do I even feel dread when it comes to praying? Well, if you've ever felt that way, I just want you to know that you're in good company. Not only in this room, because listen, when I said that, there's a lot of people shaking their heads in this room. People that you might be surprised were shaking their heads in this room, like me. Yeah, I felt that way before. Not only in this room, but even giants of our faith felt like this. Like, just read through the book of Psalms. You can look at the book of Lamentations, the book of Jeremiah. Look, there's all kinds of, of prayers like this. But there's prayers from like, like people like King David and Solomon who are saying, like, God, where are you? They're praying, and it feels like God is not listening. He is not there, like they're praying to no one out there. They believe that God is there, but it feels like he's not there. Listen, it's okay. This does not surprise God, and it shouldn't surprise us. It, it shouldn't surprise us. So to the point that our anchor text in Matthew 6, we're going to get to that in just a minute. I don't know if you know this, we call it the Lord's Prayer. That's going to be our anchor text for this. A lot of you probably heard the Lord's Prayer, but I don't know if you know this. In, in Luke 11, it has the Lord's Prayer too. And do you know why Jesus um, gave us the Lord's Prayer in Luke 11? Amongst a lot of other reasons, the disciples asked for it. In Luke 11, they actually say to Jesus, teach us to pray. The disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. Now, Listen, the Old Testament, right, the, the disciples didn't have the New Testament yet, right, Jesus had just come. In the Old Testament, there are all kinds of examples of prayers, great prayers, prayers of joy, prayers of worship, prayers of thanksgiving, prayers of just devastation, prayers of sin, and prayers of repentance, all kinds of, of prayer. If they wanted to know how to pray, they, they knew a lot of these examples, like they grew up with 
the Old Testament, they, they knew these prayers. Yet the disciples heard the prayers of Jesus. And they could tell there was something different. Right? Jesus didn't pray to check some religious box. Right? Jesus didn't pray just because he was supposed to. Jesus didn't pray so others could hear him spouting some holy words. They heard Jesus talking to God and they could see that he had a relationship with the Father and they wanted to learn how to do that. Listen, they wanted to learn how to have that. That's what this series is going to be about. Learning to do that. Learning to have that. So we're going to take a really deep look at what prayer really is and how we can grow in our prayers and follow the example that Jesus Christ and others have left for, for us. Because not only does Jesus leave his examples, but we're going to look at a lot of other amazing prayers, Old Testament, New Testament, all over the place in the Word of God to try to point us to how we have a healthy and good prayer life. And so by the end, what we'll have looked at is what prayer is. We're going to look at what prayer isn't. We're going to look, as I mentioned before, at different kinds of prayers. We're going to look at how to pray. We're going to look at how prayer transforms us. We're going to look at how, how prayer literally can change our desires and line, align us with the will of God. We're going to talk about why prayer matters so much and that your prayers really do matter, even though we have a sovereign God. We're going to, we're going to talk about why we can have absolute confidence to pray boldly, pray whatever's in our heart, just say the things to God that we need to say, and we're even going to put together a plan. We're going to put together a plan for how we can practically pray and how we can do that daily and how we can really put together, well, let's say a plan of discipline of how we can grow in our prayer life and take this seriously. So that's where we're going over the next eight weeks or so. It might turn into nine weeks, but eight weeks or so. But this week, listen, all, here's what we're going to do this week. We're just going to start really simple. Right, we're going to go deeper and deeper. We're going to add layer after layer after layer as we go. So I'm just telling you, if you're if you're here today for the first week, praise God for that. You got to come back. You got to come. And I, I know I always say that, right? Because we should be here every single week, right? Like we're, the gathering of the saints is a really big deal. God commands us, but also we're going to keep adding layer after layer, go deeper after deeper. I don't want you to miss what Jesus has for us. So even if you have to miss, you can't be here for some reason. Eric is our new tech leader. Thanks, Eric. <laughs> I was going to bring Noah up here today and thank you. Noah has done awesome in serving us as the tech leader, but now Eric's taking over as the tech director. If you don't know Eric very well, I mean, he's usually really out there and bold and talks to everyone and has this huge personality. But um, if you haven't talked to Eric, go meet him and just thank him for taking this over because we, we needed someone to take it over and he stepped up. And here's what Eric knows about tech. Nothing. <laughs> but he's a really quick learner, and so he's taken over. So who knows what the tech's going to be like the next few weeks. It's up and running today, isn't it? Thanks, TJ and Eric and Nathan and everybody else who th made sure that this happened. But we have a bunch of people learning um, how to do this. And, but he's, Eric has been doing an amazing job over the last few weeks of making sure the sermons are up. So if you do miss it, I really encourage you to go back to listen to it. As you guys know, not because I think I'm going to preach an amazing sermon, but because we're going to add layer after layer of what Jesus says about prayer, and I think it's going to be really important to us moving forward together. Moving forward together. So let's start with just a simple definition of prayer today. Now, geez, there are lots of different definitions of prayer. We can define prayer in a lot of different ways. I saw three-word definitions of prayer, and I saw definitions of prayer that were like a paragraph long. Go look up Matthew Henry's definition of prayer. He was like a, a theologian, a pastor, like two or three hundred years ago. It's like this long, and it's awesome. I was going to read it today, but I wanted to get out of here in an hour, so um, I didn't put it down here, but here, here's going to be our simple definition. Can we get that one up there? This is it. Prayer is a personal conversation and spiritual encounter with God. 
Prayer is a personal conversation and spiritual encounter with God. Now, the obvious part is prayer is a conversation with God. And I think any of us in the room can remember that. Parker, I picked on you enough. Harrison, can you remember that? Prayer is a conversation with God. That's pretty easy, right? Titus, you got that down? Prayer is a conversation with God. Can you remember that? Yeah, that's easy, right? Prayer is a conversation with God. I think that's the part that we connect with. And I added personal. It's a personal conversation with God because prayer is meant to be really intimate, right? Not just words, but, but talking to someone. But I think the part of it that we don't, maybe some of us don't think of as quickly or as obviously is that it's a spiritual encounter with God. And the reason I say spiritual encounter is prayer is meant to be full of, here's the word, there's other words, but here's an important word, worship. Prayer is meant to be worshipful. I think so often we go to God in prayer just to tell him our needs, which is good. We'll talk about that. Um, Or because we're struggling with something, that's good. Talk to God about that. But we don't think of prayer as something like, I want to go and worship God. Listen, that's why it's called prayer, hallowed be thy name. It's the main thing we want to do in prayer is worship. Listen, prayer is meant to stir our affections for God. It's meant to not only convict our hearts of sin and praise God that he convicts our heart of sin, but it's also meant to overwhelm us with the goodness of God to forgive that sin. Prayer is literally meant to change the desires of our life and our heart to align with the will of God. In short, not only is prayer spiritual, but prayer is meant to be, listen, a highly emotional endeavor. Because what relationship do you have in your life that is not deeply connected to your emotions? If you have a relationship in your life that's not an emotional, as well as other things, relationship, then you don't really have a relationship with someone. You have an acquaintance that you hang out with. But like our, our emotions are connected to relationships. Now, you know me. It's, it's very hard to have a healthy or right prayer life without having a right understanding of God that we get through the Bible. Right? We need the Bible to be able to pray Rightly, but at the same time, even though that's true, we're going to talk about that a lot, right? Even though that's true, some of the the most powerful prayers I've ever heard have come from a kid or from someone who's a brand new believer who doesn't have their doctrine nailed down, who doesn't have their theology all all, all sparsed out and they know exactly where they stand, all this stuff. They just, they're listening, they have a relationship with God, a personal conversation with God, and they're having a spiritual encounter with God and it's changing them. And sometimes you hear those prayers and they'll change you. Right, so God works through people at every stage and uses prayer powerfully. And so what I want us to understand as we go into this is prayer is not just a discipline. It is a discipline. Right, we call certain things in, like reading the word of God and praying and come to church as discipline. Some things that we have to discipline ourselves to do, right? And prayer is a discipline, but listen, it's not just a discipline. Being a discipline doesn't define it. And it's absolutely not checking some religious box that somehow makes us better people if we're praying. No, prayer is a catalyst for how God, and if you've been with us the last few weeks, I'm going to say how Emmanuel, right, God with us. God, we looked at the story of the Bible and how God did all these amazing things so that he could be with us again. Prayer is a catalyst for how Emmanuel, God with us, has chosen to grow our relationship with him and has chosen to give us really good things because he loves us. Because we're his children. Like, he's our father. He wants to give us good things. So this is why I can say, yes, we absolutely need scripture to pray rightly. But through a spiritual encounter with God, prayer is the engine that drives our faith. It is the engine. Charles Spurgeon, kind of the famous pastor. I wish I could preach like Charles Spurgeon. I read his, a couple of his sermons on prayer, and I was like, oh, jeez, right? 
But Charles Spurgeon once said this, even as the moon influences the tides of the sea, even so does prayer influence the tides of godliness. I just love that. Right? Prayer influences the tides of godliness. So before we finally dive into our passage for this series, do you, want to, you know what I want to do before we dive into the Word? I want to pray. Pray with me. Oh, Heavenly Father, God, you are so good. You're so gracious. You're so full of mercy. God, that you not only save us, Jesus, that you not only went to the cross to save us, but then you say, I want you to come and be a part of my family, and I want you to be blessed with me, and I want you to know me. God, we thank you that you are that kind of God, steadfast and faithful and full of mercy. And so, God, I pray you'd be with us today as we go through your word, as we talk about this, as we talk about it in life groups, as we go through the series. God, um, we all know that we want our prayer life to be more. I know that I can't preach a good enough sermon for people's lives to change and for their prayer lives to grow like crazy. So, God, I pray that you would do something miraculous in our hearts to draw us in. God, teach us what prayer is. Convict our hearts to not only of sin, but the conviction, the confession that we need you, that, that you are everything, that you are the anchor, you are the foundation, you are the cornerstone that we, that we need to grow. God, I pray you change the desires of our heart and give us a passion to want to talk to you. God, that seems like such a weird prayer, but sometimes, God, you know. We don't have to hide from you. Sometimes we just don't want to talk to you. And God, I don't even know why that happens to us sometimes, but I, God, you know. And so, God, I pray you be with us. Teach us your ways. Teach us your goodness. And God, grow our relationship with you as we encounter you through prayer, through this series. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read the whole passage in Matthew 6 that we're going to cover for the whole series, and then we're going to come back and we're going to focus on verse 5 and 6. Now, before we do, I want to give you a little context. In Matthew, this is kind of towards the beginning of his ministry. Now, Matthew's not necessarily in chronological order. It can kind of jump around a little bit, but it's kind of in chronological order. So we think this, this, this came at the beginning, towards the beginning of his ministry, but what, what this is a part of, this, this passage, is um, what we call the Sermon on the Mount, right? It's one of Jesus' most famous sermons. And so this is a part of, of, of that, where Jesus um, is, is giving one of his most famous sermons, and the, um, well, Matthew 6 is a, is a part of that. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and read the whole passage for this series, and then we're going to come back and we're going to spend some time focusing on verses 5 and 6, and we're going to look at what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount to a big group of people. I mean, he's covering all kinds of things. If you flip back to verse 5 and you got... He talks about salt and light. He talks about anger. He talks about lust. He talks about love your enemies. He talks about divorce. And then as we see in Luke 11, this is a part the disciples are around. They, they actually heard, asked to hear this part of the sermon. And so we'll, let's start in verse 5. We'll, we'll read through verse 15. Matthew 6, verse 5. And when you pray, you must not play, pray like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you that they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if we forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. All right, so that's where we're starting today. And I don't know if you picked up on this, but when Jesus starts, starts talking about prayer, um, and before he gives us the example of how we should pray, he first tells us how not to pray. Did you see that? That's the first thing he says. He starts off with talking about the hypocrites. Let's read about the hypocrites one more time in Matthew 6. Open it back up, but let's read verse 5 one more time. Matthew 6 verse 5 says this, And when you pray, you must not pray like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Now at the time of Christ, people would literally stop at certain times of the day to pray. It's kind of like some, what some Muslims do today. I'm not saying they were Muslims, right? But it's similar to what they do at certain times of the day. Um, and in places like Jerusalem, they would stop and pray. And they'd pray in the synagogue, literally would stop on the street. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that at all, right? Throughout, the, throughout church history, there's been different times where people had, had different ideas of how, how many times a day we should pray, how intentionally we should be. Some of us wake up in the morning and pray. Some of us pray when we eat. Some of us pray with our kids or by ourselves before we go to bed. But there's nothing wrong with having certain times a day to pray. And in Jewish culture, they would stop whatever they were doing and they would pray. And that's a good thing. And there are some people, absolutely, I'm positive, that did this with a genuine heart, wanted to stop and make sure their hearts were aligned with God at different times of the day. Praise God for that. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about people that would stop and they would pray loudly so people could hear them. Maybe they would be the first to pray at the synagogue. Maybe they'd stop on the street corner. But they wanted people to hear how righteous they were. They wanted people to hear their holy words. They wanted people to hear how good they were at praying. Right? They wanted people to envy them, envy them for their prayers. And Jesus calls them hypocrites because it was all about them. Right? In the end, it was about them. It was about their pride. Now, we can give people like this a hard time. I mean, Jesus calls them hypocrites. We should give them a hard time. But here's what I think. I think all of you at one point or another have been just like them. And so have I. Right? We point to the hypocrites, but I think we've all been there. So I think either you've prayed and were very concerned what people thought. Right? Either you wanted people to think your prayers were great or you thought people were going to judge you. Or some of you simply just refuse to pray out loud because you're afraid. You're, uh, listen, afraid of what people will think. I get that. Do you get that? Here, here, here's the thing. For, for those of you that have ever been in a life group, ever been in a small group, ever been in a group of people that prayed, I bet there's been some point where you just stupidly volunteered to pray. And after you volunteered, you're like, what have I done? Right? And while you're waiting for other people to pray... All you can think about and obsess about is what I'm going to say, what I'm going to pray about. What am I going to say? How's it going to sound? What, right? Ever been there? Now think about that for a second. I, listen, I was not always a pastor. You guys know that. I had to learn to pray in front of other people. Yes, it comes pretty naturally to me now, but do you think it started off that way? It did not start off that way. So I've been there with you, right? But you know what happens in that moment? You're making the prayer all about you because as you're obsessing about what you're going to pray, do you think you heard any of the other prayers? Do you think you joined in with everybody else as they were praying? No, you made it all about you and what you were going to say and your fear and your pride and what people were going to think in that moment. And listen, well, I think almost everybody in this room gets that. This is not about condemnation, 
But it is about a realization of how often we make prayer even like that about us, about our pride or our fear or whatever else. And that's all rooted in pride. And it's the same thing these people who were praying so that people would hear them were doing. Listen, insecurity is also pride. It's just on the other end of arrogance. But it still comes from what people think of you. And so Jesus is saying to people like this in particular, hey, listen, if you prayed so others would hear you, so others would be impressed with you, well, listen, that short-term boost to your ego that you got that made you feel good, that, that fleeting moment when someone was like, ooh, that was a good prayer. He must be pretty holy. Listen, that's your reward. That's what you got out of the prayer. God isn't honoring it. He's not listening to it. God doesn't care about those kinds of prayers. Listen, what you got out of it is what you got out of it for those, what, four minutes that you felt good about yourself. Now, after telling us how not to pray, Jesus is about to tell us what kind of prayers his father does like, or I would say a better way, what kind of prayers please God. But first, I want to look at an example of this, of like a, a good, humble prayer versus a prideful prayer. Look, flip over to Luke 18. Go right in your Bibles, just a couple of books, to, to the Gospel of Luke, in Luke chapter 18. And what Jesus is doing here is he's teaching. And he's teaching through stories, parables. Jesus often teaches through stories, and he's, he's telling this as a, as a story to some people that are listening to his disciples. He's also praying it um, for those who might be likely to do this themselves. And in Luke chapter 18, we're going to start in verse 10 and read to the end of the paragraph. So this is Jesus talking, telling a story. It says this in Luke chapter 18, verse 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, and if you remember, a Pharisee is like a religious leader, right, at the top of society, and the other, a tax collector. A tax collector was at the lowest rung of society. If you remember, tax collectors collected money for Rome. Rome had conquered Israel. They oppressed Israel. So a tax collector volunteered to collect money for Rome to make themselves rich so that Rome could take the money that they were the, the tax money, and then use it to continue to press Israel. Tax collectors were the lowest of the low. They were hated. They were despised. They were wretched in view of the Israelites, right? So we got the, at the highest of society and the lowest of society. Start again in verse 10. Two men went up to pray, went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. End of prayer. Verse 13, but the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast. I don't want you to picture this. He's beating his breath. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Exclamation point. I tell you, this man the tax collector, went down to his house justified, justified meaning being right with God, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Who humbles himself will be exalted. Church, prayer that honors God, the, the people that God is pleased to hear from aren't the religiously impressive Right? They're not the people that know all of the right words, have all of the holy things to say, or can present their religious accomplishments before God as they pray, like this guy did. It's, it is those that humbly give their hearts, humbly give their lives, 
to God in awareness of their great need for him. That's all this tax collector really was confessing. God, I need your mercy. I have nothing else to offer, but I believe in your mercy. I am sinful, but you are merciful. That's what this guy had to offer. You want to talk about simple prayers, uncomplicated prayers? That's it. I know that God is merciful and I need his mercy. That's a good prayer. That's what pleases God. This is why Jesus, how, this is why Jesus responds to this the way he does in verse 6. So we saw the example of how not to pray. Turn back over to Matthew 6. And let's look what Jesus says on how we should pray. Matthew 6, verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. But that, for some of us, that makes us uncomfortable. That says that God will reward us for praying in secret. Now, for clarity, do you think that Jesus' point here is that we should, we should never really pray in front of other people? That we should just kind of keep prayer to ourselves? Well, I think the answer is that, of course not. Jesus is literally giving us the example of what prayer is in front of an enormous group of people. Like, this is a community prayer. And I, I, I want you to notice, too, about the Lord's Prayer as we go through this. He uses words like, our God, and forgive us of our sins. He doesn't say, he's not giving the example and saying, my sin. Well, he couldn't say that, right? But give me my, my daily needs. He could say that, right? But he's not saying my. He's saying our. This is a community prayer. This is a corporate prayer. It's a very good prayer for just you too, right? But it's also meant to be a corporate thing. When Jesus breaks the loaves and the fishes and feeds the 5,000, he prays. In John 17, he's with his disciples and he prays. It talks about how Jesus will go up on the mountain and sometimes Jesus will pray in isolation, but sometimes his disciples will go with him and they'll get away from the crowds and they'll pray. No, praying together is a very important and very good thing. We need community. We need community. Now, what I think Jesus is getting at is that our private prayers, those done in secret will no one can hear them, when we're not trying to impress anyone, we're not trying to like, show other people that we even do pray because we're a good Christian, no, that when we go and pray just because we want to, just because we love God, just because we trust him and need him, those are the kinds of prayers that God really wants those are the kind of prayers that really change us. Those are the kinds of prayers that will actually define our relationship with God. The, in religious circles, a somewhat kind of famous missionary and pastor to India, William Carey, once said this, secret, fervent, fervent meaning passionate, secret, fervent, believing prayer lies at the root of all personal godliness. Secret, fervent, believing prayer lies at the root of all personal godliness. And so people like me, I think I have a tendency for this because I, I tend to think about my faith sometimes as overly logical, would think that the word of God would be at the all root of godliness. And I'm not saying that's a wrong answer, but if you have someone who knows scripture really, really well, but has virtually no relationship with God and is not encountering him spiritually, of what value do you think all that knowledge is? Right? I think, I think 1 Corinthians 13 would say, like, you're a banging gong. You might spout the words of, of God, but you don't have love in your heart. This is about loving God and through God loving other people. You can have all the words of God, but if you don't have a relationship with God, if you don't encounter God, if you don't go to God, then all of it is worthless. Secret, fervent, believing prayer lies at the root of all personal godliness. 
I think Spurgeon agreed with that with what he said. I think I agree with that. More importantly, I think this is what Jesus is trying to tell us here. Now, Christian, we can know that. We can believe that. We can even want that. And prayer can still be hard, right? It can still be hard. Paul once described prayer as a labor, that we are to labor in prayer. The Apostle Paul said that we we need to labor in prayer. Like I said, sometimes it comes natural, and and sometimes it's work. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we are left wondering if there's any benefit to prayer at all. But what I'm hoping is that as we go through this series, we can get to look at more and more prayers of godly people throughout all of time, throughout all Scripture, and what you'll see is many other people have felt the same, And not only see that, but see that through that, through those times where they were praying and they felt like God wasn't there or he wasn't listening or that it didn't matter, that when they stuck with it, eventually God helped them to overcome that because there's something in their lives that needed to be overcome. And not only did God change that, but then God did amazing things through their lives, either personally or through them to to bless other people because that's what God does. But because it's hard at times doesn't mean that we, we get to or should avoid it or dismiss it. Like, that doesn't even make any sense if we're Christians. And one of the reason I say that is that, can you imagine if I ever said to my wife, you know, um, I know we should talk more. I know we should have more conversations, but when we do, you know what, I never really get anything out of it. Um, you talk, and I talk, but it doesn't really go anywhere, so what's the point? Now, we laugh, but some marriages have gotten to that point, right? But why do you think they got to that point? Because they refused to keep trying. They refuse to keep talking. They refuse to work it out. How long do you think a marriage like that is? Like, it's pointless to talk to you. How long is that marriage going to last? And even if they're Christians that power through no matter what, how poor is that marriage going to be? No, it's kind of funny, but it's also, is that not true? I mean, for those of us that have been married for more than four days, um, have you ever had trouble communicating with your spouse? Have you ever had the thought, this is pointless, right? At times, it's going to be hard. Sometimes it's hard in marriage. Sometimes it's hard with our parents. We have that relationship with our parents. Sometimes it's with our spouses. We can use all, it's not just marriage. I'm using that as an example, but there's all kinds of relationships. At times, it's going to be hard in our relationships in the world, and sometimes it's hard to communicate with God. But as we said before, prayer is a personal conversation with God. Parker, Parker, what's prayer? Remember yet? Say it. A conversation with God. Nice, you got it. Now she wanted to shake my hand. I would have, I would have liked to shake your hand too. Listen, like prayer is a personal conversation with God. It's listen, it's personal. It's a relationship, and relationships take, take commitment and they take consistency and they take communication to thrive. Now, you might see this as luckily or unluckily. Luckily for you. Although the person on the other side of the conversation may not audibly talk back, and we don't have to, listen, that's hard at times. We don't have to act like that's not hard, that, that we don't audibly hear the voice of God, or at least not the voice of God all the time. If you do, come talk after the service. We'll work through it together, right? But we don't audibly hear the voice of God talk back to us. But here's what we do have. We have someone on the other side of that relationship that will never, never ever fail us, will never forsake us. Some of us really struggle with abandon, abandonment issues. Listen, Christ will never leave you, no matter what, never, ever. If you, if you had made Jesus your Savior, he will never leave you. Here's one of the hardest ones, 
in real relationships, God will never sin against you. He'll never try to avoid you. In fact, God is telling you over and over and over in his word that he longs to hear from you, that he longs to be with you. He longs to connect to you, and the main way he's designed that connection to happen is through prayer. God can connect with us through worship. He can connect to us through through community. He can connect to us through the word. All of those things are true, but the main way is through a conversation with him. To the point, here's, here's just the beautiful thing. Jesus doesn't just say that we should pray in secret, but if we do, God will reward us. That's pretty astounding if you think about it. God rewards genuine, honest, heartfelt, humble prayers given to him in love. Now, we're going to talk about rewards in just a second. But there's also an important phrase that Jesus says just before that. Your father who sees you. Your father who sees you. Hebrews 4.13 says this. I think we have that one, don't we, Denver? Hebrews 4.13 says this. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Now, I've said this one before. I said it's dumb to come to church and pretend like everything's good all the time, right? Here's another thing I think is kind of dumb. But listen, I'm in this, right? I'm in this boat too. I'm not calling you dumb. We are dumb sometimes, right? And think about how dumb it is for us to go to God in prayer and and try to tell him what we think he wants to hear. Do you you realize how, how silly that really is? And I think we've all done it. We've like repeated these words that we've heard from other people or that we, we think we're supposed to say or we, we think we're supposed to repeat. And, and, and we try to go to God and say those words because we think that, well, that's what God wants to hear. Right? We, we go to God sometimes and we don't talk to him about our sin or we hide our sin. Or sometimes we downplay our sin to God. How ridiculous is that? But we do it because it's, it's human nature. Like, how, why wouldn't we just be completely and totally and fully honest with God? Whether we, even if we're angry, even if we're furious with God, which by the way, there are angry prayers in the word of God, right? Even if we're furious with God, even if we feel like we hate God, why not be, just be honest? Because he already knows. Do you know why? He's God. He is the omniscient, omnipresent, sovereign, in control of everything God. We can't hide from him. Praise God we can't hide from him because you know what? If I could hide from God, I absolutely would hide from God and I'd destroy myself. And in the past with my addictions and my struggles, it's, I tried to hide from everyone, including God, and it was trying to destroy me. The guilt and the shame just eating away from me. Thank God he sees me for who I really am and he doesn't see me as that sin or that addiction or that struggle. He sees me as his child that he's trying to rescue if I would just see and that rescuing more, than, more often than not comes through the personal relationship and prayer. God revealing his mercy to me, a sinner mercy to me. It's hard to be honest with anyone. And sometimes it's even hard to be honest with God. But he's already knows it all. He's already heard it all. He knows all of it. And he still says, come to me. He still says, come. Church, there are absolutely ways that we should pray. And we're going to talk about those, those things as the series goes on, but I think in the end, all God really wants more than anything is simple, honest, humble, heartfelt prayers. He wants you to come warts and all, failures and all, believing that he wants to hear from you and be with you.
And if we can pray like that, if, he, if we can come to him like that, he wants to and is promising you that he'll reward you. As if, like, because of what God's done, coming to him like that should just be what we do, right? But God loves us so much, he said, I'll reward you. And what do you think that reward is? Listen, it's the greatest thing in the universe. It's more of him. And if you're newer to the faith or that doesn't feel true to you right now, listen, like, you could think, man, if you're honest with yourself, I'm in something material or money or security, all of that sounds better than that. But listen, God is the source of all goodness, of all grace, of all love, of everything that exists good anywhere, all joy, all happiness. God, it is all because of God. And he's saying, listen, you'll get more of those things if you draw into me. I want to give you more of me. And this is how this happens. More joy, more peace, more hope, more strength, more comfort, more of it all. Going back to Hebrews 4, God says this in 4.14. Since then, since then we have a great high priest who passed through heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, our confession to him as Lord. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Oh, church, God wants you to come and reward you by you seeing just how good he is our reward for confidently drawing near to God because of the finished work of Christ and the forgiveness of our sins on the cross and his righteousness now in us, that's what we get more, God, through, through the Holy Spirit, through Jesus' sacrifice. Through our personal conversations with God, we will have a spiritual encounter with God. That's what our hearts should long for. That's what we're going to ask God through this series to, to help us to long for these things. An encounter where we grow in joy, when we grow in his presence, when we grow in his grace and mercy, we grow in forgiveness, and we experience the glory that comes with the renewal of our souls. That's where this thing is going. That's what we need to focus on. Listen, God works in many different ways, but it is primarily through prayer that we experience the kindness, we experience the gentleness, we experience the patience, the forgiveness, the restoration, and all of those things are good. But man, one of the best things is where we experience the changing of our desires to align with the will of God, which will lead us into hope and joy in being a follower of Christ because we'll walk so confidently in our lives. And yeah, as I said over and over, prayer is a logical thing. It is a theological thing. It is a biblical thing. It is a biblical truth. But it's, church, don't you dare forget, it's also very much a spiritual truth. Prayer is experiential. Prayer is emotional. Prayer is even, as Philippians 4, we saw in Philippians 4, it is even supernatural. It is a spirit-filled encounter with the divine creator of all things. And don't think of it as anything less. But it's also prayer to someone who tells us to call him father, to call him friend, and to call on him with anything. Listen, this is the main avenue God has given us to access his presence, for God to convict us and grow us, and even, as we're going to see through the series, give us good things, because listen, your Father wants to give you good things. So 
let's just beg him together as we, today and as we go through the series to reveal more and more to us what prayer is and how it can change us and how it can glorify the name of Christ. And so to close today, I want to close with a prayer. So turn in your Bibles to Psalm 25. Just about in the middle of your Bible, just before the middle of your Bible, Psalm 25. So I'm going to read this psalm. We're going to read it together, but I'll read it. And this is, a, this is a prayer from David. And I think it'll be easy as I'm reading just to kind of tune it out. But the reason I picked this prayer is it has so many of the different aspects of prayer that Scripture is calling us to think about. Prayer of thanksgiving, of worship, of praise, of need, of need of others, of, of confessing um, frustrations, like this prayer kind of has so many different aspects of the things we're going to talk about as the series goes on. And so as I read it, I want you to pay attention to the things that are there. I want you to think, just we're going to read it quickly, but I want you to think about the different aspects of prayer and how, how David says these things and how he communicates with his God and how personal it is. And then I want to think about like, man, I'd like to incorporate that into my prayer life. I'm going to say, this is not the perfect prayer, but it's an example left for us. And then after we're done praying or reading this, I want, to, I want us to take some time to pray just with ourselves and then corporately. So listen to this prayer and let it stir your heart for the kinds of prayers that you could have with God. Psalm chapter 25, we're going to read the whole thing. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me. For the sake of your goodness, O Lord, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right, and he teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. Oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem me, redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. Church, for some of us, prayer is a normal daily thing. And I think there's some of us in the room that haven't prayed in a long time. Listen, today is a new day. Today can be a new start or reaffirmation. And so I want you to just be inspired by what Jesus says and what David says in his prayer to God, 
And I want you to talk. I want us just to go individually for a second before we pray corporately and just talk to God for the next two or three minutes. Maybe you need to confess sin. Maybe you just need to praise God for his goodness and his glory and his mercy. Maybe you need to tell God something you haven't, haven't told him in a while. Or maybe you don't really even know what to say. And maybe you just need to tell God that. That you don't know what to say, but you want to learn how to talk to him and have a relationship and grow because of that. So I want you to just take two or three minutes right where you are and just take time to talk to God. Start now and let's let it build through this series. And then I'll close this in prayer together.